Hey, good morning. Welcome to Kesed. How's everybody? I am so excited that you're here. If you're new or streaming with us online, or if you're from online, but you're here because we're doing our very first baptism, welcome, welcome. I am, uh, I'm honored that you guys took some time, time to be here. Uh, my name's Danny. I'm one of the pastors here. We're in a series right now called Vivid, and we're talking about what it means to, as the world reopens, what it means to live out our faith, what it means to, to, uh, to be seen and, and to be known. We, we started the series uh, by talking about this idea that we are all misfits and that we are all moving towards masterpiece, that we are all in process, that you can be who you are, where you are, and that that's okay. It's an okay space to be spiritually curious. That's a big thing right now that uh, we create space for people who can feel God tugging on them but don't have all the answers, and we want to be a church that, that recognize that, but we don't want to smell like we have it all figured out. We don't want to walk around with, you know, only our masterpieces showing. Sometimes you got you to gotta let out a little misfit, so let people know you're in process. Then uh, the last two weeks uh, that we've been talking with you, uh, we talked about our North Stars, the importance of goals, the importance of following Christ, the importance of seeing what's out in front of you, but we also spoke about our South Stars and about how we need to remember to, uh, to see where we came from, to look at our legacies, to look at our stories, and to allow those to be part of our movement because too often Christians only present their North Stars. They only present all the stuff they have figured out. They don't talk in real time. As Christians, we need to talk in real time. We need to tell people what we're struggling with daily. That allows them to share with, with us what they're struggling with and gives them some hope that Jesus can work with a, with a messed up people because we're supposed to be an example of those messed up people. Amen? That's what we're supposed to do. Uh, then uh, today, uh, we're going to talk about the second part of last week. So last week, I spoke to you about Scripture and the value of Scripture. And, and I said respectfully that uh, maybe you've been reading it wrong. Maybe there's a piece of Scripture or two or all of it that you've misunderstood and used uh, against people or even used against yourself. And that the Bible is meant to be alive and awakened and that you are to wrestle with it, that that you are to, to struggle with it, that you are to be authentic with it, and that it is not supposed to be something that abuses you or anybody else around you. Today, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And my hope is today that with this baptism, you won't just hear about the Holy Spirit, but you will actually experience him, that it will be something that happens to you, that you will feel the, the tenseness of him confronting you, of him kind of getting in your face just a little bit in a loving, gentle way. But that's what we want. We're here to experience something. We're here to go on that adventure. And so I'm excited to talk with you about that. But uh, let me just share this. Uh, on a personal note, uh, I woke up this morning with, uh, and I don't get this, so it's really new for me, but I woke up this morning with a really bad case of vertigo. So I, pre I feel like I preached the entire 9 o'clock service while riding Space Mountain. So... Uh, and it didn't, I mean, I went for it anyways. I think I held one or two people under just a little longer than normal, but uh, they were fine. They were fine. So uh, if you see me lean left or right, uh, that's, not, that's not me getting all charismatic on you. That's just me trying to stay in this seat. So you're like, look at him. He's being filled by the Holy Spirit. Look at him rock left and right. I love this church. Don't, 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 try, to, don't try to put that on me, okay? It's just something going on with my ears. So uh, now, before I dive into the message, one last thing. 
we at Kesed try to, we try to follow the Holy Spirit and dive into all the stuff he wants for us. And so we're going to do a series starting in two weeks that I think is going to be really special, but really easy for you to skip if you don't set in your mind that God has called you to be a part of this community. Uh, we have been through a lot as a community and as a nation and as a world over the last year. We've experienced all sorts of different trauma on a deep level, on a surface level, uh, on an external level, on an internal level. And we as a church are going to teach, talk, and walk through all of that trauma in a series on grief called Tear Soup. And it's going to last six weeks. And I would really love for you not to miss a single one, whether in person or online, because they're going to build on each other. Uh, this series is so important to me that I'm going to actually bring in my therapist, Byron Kaler, and he's going to co-teach the series with me, the entire thing. He's going to teach three of the lessons. Uh, and so it's a really special opportunity for you uh, to learn how to be authentic with the stuff that's happened to you, even stuff you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Last year was great. Yeah, that's called denial. It's another form of trauma. So it'll be great for you, right? If everything's perfect in your life and you have no problems, this series is for you. If you know you got problems, this series is for you. It's going to be really, really fun. And I mean that. And it's going to also be really, really hard. So I just want to prep you for that, that, uh, that, that I believe God has some special stuff for you. But there's some cyclical stuff in your life, I'm guessing, if you've never dealt with your trauma that just keeps happening, that you keep acting out in, and you don't know why. And a lot of that is related to our trauma. We continue to try to live it out and over accomplish and, and recalibrate. But unless you spend time in it, talking about it in a safe environment, Right? Not just talking about it with anybody, but in a safe environment with some structure, then oftentimes your story will work you because you haven't actually worked your story. And so we're going to spend six weeks in this safe environment diving into that. Now, there's a reason we're doing it right now and not in the fall. I originally wanted to do the series in the fall because let's be honest, in the fall, everybody's got their warm cider. It's raining out. Your seasonal depression's upon you. You're already ready to cry. Be a much easier time to do a series like that. But I feel like that's not how trauma works. Trauma just grabs you by the throat out of nowhere. And so that's why we're just going to pop the series right here in the middle of the year because that's how trauma works. It just shows up. So I'm going to be here with you, and we're going to experience it together. And I would just love for you to, to share the series with other people, to bring friends, but more importantly, that uh, you yourself are willing to engage in it. Amen? Amen. All right, good. Good. You guys are... You, you guys, are you guys excited about how many people are going to be baptized today? Because here's what, listen, here's, here's what you don't realize. So there's, there's quite a few people already signed up. And then in every single service, the Holy Spirit does what he does. And a bunch of other people got in, in their clothes with no change of clothes at all. And so they had to, to ride home wet because God prompted them to and they did it. And so I just, I just want to say there's probably people in this room that that during this message, you're going to feel the Lord start to kind of mess with your heart. And, and I just wanted to tell you, fight him hard, right? Just fight him. Just tell him straight up, I don't want to do it. Just be authentic. Just be like, this is rude. I should have brought clothes. Why didn't you tell me on Tuesday? Like, be frustrated with him because you know, you know, you will know if you're like, I'm supposed to do this. Because even though you're going to fight him, at the end of the day, I really believe if you're willing, God will 
walk with you through this special, intimate, authentic place, and you might get in that water. Every single service, we've had people come and, uh, and decide that God wanted to do something with their story. So if that's you, uh, fight him away. I think that's awesome. I think it's great. I'm all about the confrontation. But, but if you're willing, um, I will meet you in that water if today's the day you're supposed to make that decision. Yeah? Okay. All right. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 3. We are going to talk about the baptism of Jesus, but maybe unlike you ever have talked about it before. Uh, there's a man by the name of John the Baptist, and that's, that's a pretty legit title because John, like, baptized a lot of people. Now, John was a very confrontive man. John was a man who went way against the system and decided that, uh, that the church at the time was dysfunctional in how it was being used, and that through the Holy Spirit, John decided to kind of usurp it through taking some of the church's traditions and using them to symbolize something really powerful that was about to happen in the nation. John was a well-known prophet at the time, and even Old Testament scripture talks about a man who would come and prepare the way for the Lord, and John was that man. And at the time, the Jewish culture had all kinds of different uh, symbolism that they would enact for all kinds of reasons, and one of those was this culture of purity, submersion, and then coming up clean. Uh, it was this idea that if I was contaminated, if I touched something dead, if I did something horrible, I could go to a local pool of pure water and I could submerse myself in that and I could come up and then I would be clean. And this was a regular thing, a regular kind of uh, ritual that the Jewish people would do. And then comes along John. John is not an anointed rabbi. John is not an anointed teacher. John is just some dude that lives in the desert who talks well. I relate so much to him. He just gets up and starts articulating things that God has laid on his heart, and people start connecting with it. And then he's like, you know, what should happen is that you should not go to a purity pool, because there's nothing special about the water. There's nothing special about this water. You should go to a river. You should just go to a river and you should come with me and we'll walk in this river and you should confess that your life is not what it's supposed to be. And you should recognize that you've lived your life focused really on whatever you want. And you've seen this, this trend throughout humanity where people just live their lives doing what they want, thinking that they are going to accomplish the thing the humans before them have never accomplished, which is finding true peace and true stability and true wholeness. And when you come to the end of yourself, you decide to die to yourself, Scripture says. And John says, we should walk in this water, and it'll symbolize when you're above the water, right, that you are who you are now, and you go under that water like the grave, and you come up out of that water, and you come cleansed, and you confess publicly to the world that you die to the old self, and you submit to the new. And John's message went viral whatever that would look like back then. <laughs> people over campfires telling other people over campfires. All about how they got baptized and they feel like a whole new person. All about how they, they didn't, what'd you do? Did you go to the church? Did you do the ritual of, of cleanliness? Did you have rabbi so-and-so? No. No, I like went to the river on a Friday night. And there was this guy with long hair and this weird camel coat. <laughs> This, story, this is why the story goes viral, right? John knew what he was doing, right? What? Yeah, and he like looked at me and I felt connected and I felt seen and he shared with me that God wants more for me and he called me into the water and I went into the river 
and I laid back and I went under old and I came up new and that's why I'm different. And they said, well, where's John going to be at next? I don't know. You just got to wait, but he'll show up. He'll be at one of the rivers. You got to show up. You got to find him. And this happened for a long time. People started going. People started going. And it says John started getting more and more specific with his message about one who was coming who would not just, you wouldn't, there would be no symbolization. It would truly be someone who renewed, someone who took people and restored them from death to life. And he started prophesying about this person, about this person, about this Messiah, about this Messiah. Eventually he even says, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. And the people were like, who is this person? And then all of a sudden, one day, John's baptizing one of his viral baptisms on a Saturday night. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the crowd, who normally applauds and is a lot of energy, splits. And this man walks through. And that man is Jesus. And John knows it. This is what... They say happened in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. We'll take the verse really slow, because if you read it too fast, you're not going to let it be in full color. John's baptizing. He's the viral sensation. He's frustrating all the local church people because he's not doing it the right way in the pool. He's not even a rabbi. He's got no baptism license. But John's doing it anyways, and the crowds are growing, and the people are loved, and it's emotional, and family showed up just like today. And all of a sudden, the crowd goes silent, just like today. And Jesus passes through. And it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. Jesus came specifically to be baptized by John. Jesus just wasn't showing up at anybody's space. He was showing up where John was. And John had a good thing going. John had a strong, strong ministry. Then it says in verse 14 that Jesus, that John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? I like this verse because what we need to realize is that as Jesus starts to wade into the water, you got to see this, right? As Jesus starts to wade into the water, because I think Jesus waited this turn, by the way. I think Jesus is all about waiting in lines. He doesn't mind. He waited this turn. <laughs> How awkward is that to baptize people knowing Jesus is like four people away, like, like, are you, like, is it unfair to the people you're actually baptizing? Are you like, oh, man, Jesus is coming up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Be free. You're clean. Hey, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. You're pure. You're pure. You're free. I would want to redo if I was the first person in front of Jesus. I'd be like, that's not cool. Or following Jesus. That would also be a bummer, right? To be the one after Jesus. Like, everybody just leaves. And you're like, I still want to be, you know, it's just... These are things you got to think about. But either way, John's baptizing people, right? And so Jesus enters the water. And it doesn't say how far into the water he got, but it does say that John basically said to him, whoa, whoa, whoa. You think you're coming in here so I can baptize you? I should be baptized by you, not, not, not me baptizing you. It says that John literally pauses Jesus. Like, hey, 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 hey. You got this upside down and backwards. I'm just out here doing my thing. I'm just out here living my life. I am living it for you. I am proclaiming you. But, but now you want to get all intimate with me and like switch the roles around and all of a sudden I'm supposed to carry out like, like I'm supposed to hold on to you. I'm supposed to carry your message. It's really a profound conversation between a man who is doing the good work and a man who is the good work. 
How often, this is just a question, right? Just a question, it's not in my notes. It's for somebody in the room who's wrecking it all for everybody else. How often do you consider the good work you're doing more important than the one who actually is the work? How often are you like, all right, I'm gonna preach, I'm gonna teach, I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna be a good person, I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna help, I'm gonna feed people. And then Jesus starts wading into your ministry, right? And he gets about ankle deep and you're like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on, I'm doing this for you. I don't know what you're doing here. And Jesus is like, yeah, I'm gonna be a part. I'm gonna help out. I'm gonna be in it with you, which means I'm, I'm gonna tell you what to do. I'm gonna convict you. And you're like, yeah, no, that's really uncomfortable for me. I really like the work I'm doing. And Jesus is like, but I am the work you're doing. It's profound. Let's see how gently and lovingly, because we always make Jesus this really peaceful, everything, and everything that Jesus says is like, but wait. It's always this airy voice. I don't buy any of that stuff. And it's because of verses like this. Jesus answered him, let it be so now. There's no gentleness in that. It's just straight up. I don't even know if Jesus paused. He just kept waiting in. Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And look at what John did. Then he consented. Because John was honest with his ministry. He was honest with what he did. He was like, Jesus, I'm not worthy of your presence. I do this to serve you. But you actually being part of it, uh, that's, that's intimidating. That's intimate. That's a lot. And Jesus is like, yeah, I know. But let it be so now. Let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then immediately it says John consents. He's like, okay. That's a lot of fluff. That's a lot of peacocking. For Jesus just to walk in and be like, Meh. and that's often what we do. We bluff and we puff and we make our lives really, really Instagrammable, right? We sell ourselves to the world and we're like, hey, here's the thing. I believe in God and I believe in the word, you know, the word and I'm this and I'm that. And then all of a sudden Jesus starts wading into our life and we're like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. And then Jesus says to us with great love, let it be so now. I love you more than you'll ever understand. And I want to be inside your story, even your Instagram story. I want to be in all of it. Right, I want to be in all of it. And you have a decision to make. It doesn't say that like Jesus like used the force and yanked over John and said, baptize me. It doesn't say that. It says that John consented. It says that John had a check in his heart and was like, yeah, this is right. This is right. That phrase, that idea of to fulfill all righteousness, okay? That it means literally to do everything that was righteous, to do absolutely everything that God required. See, John thought what Jesus was coming to do was about John, but really it was all about Jesus. It was all about Jesus being willing to submit and obey the will of God, and he was willing to go anywhere. Of course, Jesus didn't need to have a baptism of repentance. Of course, there was no cleansing happening. Of course, John wasn't worthy to baptize God himself. I like how sometimes we try to teach God these things. How we're like, hey, I'm not worthy. As if God's like, you're not? Oh, I had no idea. 
We do it all the time, especially when God wants to use us in a powerful way, especially in a powerful way. If God's like, I'm gonna do this with you, I'm gonna restore this. And at first you're like, this is great. And then you start to realize, but I don't think I'm worthy of this. I don't think I can maintain this. God, I think you may have picked the wrong person. And I think that's back to why it's so important to just let the Holy Spirit tug on your heart. God never picks the wrong person. Like he's got a perfect batting average. Like he never misses. He never shows up early or late. He's not confused by your story. He's not confused by your shadow self. He's not confused by anything. He is engaging with you in all of you. As a matter of fact, there's even an argument to be made that God is engaging with more of you than you even know about you. Like he sees all of you, even the stuff that's missing. He sees the version of you that could be. He's engaging with all of you. Jesus walks into John's story and he engages with all of John and he teaches him and the rest of the world that what we are supposed to do is be obedient to where and how God calls us. Jesus is being obedient to how God was calling him. And it's the prelude to the cross, which we all talk about, the prologue. The baptism is the prelude. You can see it in what happens next. For let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. Okay, then the next phrase says, and when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. Now, I've talked about stuff like this before. When, verse, when words like this, this is the word skicho, right? This word torn is the word skicho. And words like this have great meaning. It doesn't say the heavens were romantically, you know, unveiled or flowed or, you know, like something really beautiful, like the heavens, you know, split like, like running water. Like it, it says they were torn open. That's what Jesus saw. And then the Holy Spirit descends. We've got this beautiful phrase that, there, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. All this beautiful stuff happens. But the baptism of Christ is the prelude to the cross of Christ. And you know when you can see it, you can see it. I'll put the verse up. It's Matthew 27, 51. This is when Jesus dies on the cross, when he breathes his last, it says, and behold, the curtain of the temple, see the word? Was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook, whoop, shook. <laughs> I'm on a lot of meds right now, so. Uh. <laughs> what? what? Jan, what did you sign right then? That's what I. Did you sign? Did you sign shook, Jan? You signed what I said. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh. And the earth shook. <laughs> I love our church so much. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. This is the prologue, right? To the prelude. You've got tearing on both sides. You've got opening on both sides. This is so valuable to us to understand how the Holy Spirit enters the story, how it enters the story with Jesus and how it enters the story through Jesus on the cross. He tears his way in. This is why I started off at the beginning of the message saying, hey, if you're expecting the Holy Spirit to like be like, hey, it's me. That's not how he rolls. 
most of the time. He tears his way in. And the thing we're supposed to do to receive that tearing is be obedient. We are supposed to show up. We are supposed to be there. And you know what that means? That means there's some stuff in your life you really love that you feel like is part of your DNA. It could be good stuff like John the Baptist. It could be actually baptizing people. That's what I do. Jesus shows up and he's like, yeah, that's about me. And John's like, uh, but it's sort of my thing for you. It's for you. And John's like, no, no, never mind. You're right. Jesus goes, knows that it's about me. The cross, the cross you think is, 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 is this beautiful story. The cross was brutal and bloody and ugly and gross. And the cross resulted in a tearing of a veil that separated the Holy of Holies where the ark was from the rest of the world and the Holy Spirit rushed in. Why do you think he's doing it any different now? So be offended, be bothered, but be authentic with your worldview and let the Holy Spirit tear it apart piece by piece, not to destroy you, not to harm you, but to bring you to a place where your religion is not what you serve. We serve Jesus. We serve God. He is who we're supposed to be raising our families in the name of. Not in the name of your spiritual tradition. Not in the name of your worldview. Which, by the way, changes like every single three years. You don't stand firm in your politics. You stand firm in the name of the Lord. That's where you stand firm. And that is oftentimes offensive. Because Jesus likes to move us around as we feel the world shift underneath us. He's like, nope, it's too soft over there. Stand over here. Well, this is where I belong then. Ah, it's a little soft over there. Well, where do you want me to stand then? Because every time you move me around, right, you pull me from the inside out. You make me uncomfortable. I don't lose sleep. And he's like, yeah, that's the place. <laughs> that's the place. That's why this church is filling up because it's being filled with people who are uncomfortable in their own skin and they know it and they're not pretending to be something they aren't and the Holy Spirit can work with that but if you have all the answers if you have all the tradition if you know where all the pools of purity are in the days that people are allowed to come in and which sins qualify or don't qualify them to enter the water then you're probably not at the rough watered rivers where Jesus is. You're probably not at that space on those Friday nights talking around campfires, telling stories about somebody you never thought you'd do life with that you're really falling in love with. And you're certainly not sharing pieces of your story, your misfitness, and you're definitely not claiming, you know what, I think I might have a little bit of masterpiece in me. And all you ever talk about is your North Star, but you never forget your South Star, because where you come from matters as much as where you're going. And yeah, the Bible's confusing and hard, but you're honest about that. And so you find people to sit in community with and you challenge it and you wrestle with it. You might even disagree with it. The Bible's big enough to handle that, by the way. <laughs> people make the Bible so small. They're like, no, no, you just got to accept it. What? There's some confusing stuff in there. And it's alive. So I'm going to wrestle with it. I'm going to try to pin it down. Jacob tried. He walked with the limp for a while, but he gave it a good shot. Maybe we need more people that limp. Maybe you're one of those people. You just hide it well. It's really one of the most beautiful parts of your life. I don't know. Here's what I know. I know that Jesus Christ loves you more than you'll ever understand. He understands the legacy of sin that came before you and me. 
He understands the dysfunction that you were taught was healthy. He understands your spoken and unspoken desire for wholeness, that he accepts all of you, even the parts you're missing, and that even if you are just walled in behind religion, he is still strong enough to climb that wall and sit with you in the midst of your own loneliness. Or maybe you're walled in due to low self-esteem or you're walled in due to due to poor choices, or you're walled in because of no choices that you made. The world just kicked you in the teeth and left you for dead. The Jesus I'm talking about finds people like that. He finds those who don't pretend. He finds those who are authentic, that God places us wherever he wants us, and that that ground will always feel just a little more mushy than we like to keep us moving and searching and seeking and holding on to the arms of the one who brought us there in the first place. That's what these waters are about. They're about people making a public decision to set down the old life, to tear away the old life, to go under symbolically and to come up new and in the arms of Christ and to let everyone around them know, I choose Jesus. When you choose Jesus, amazing things happen. I've shared before that four years ago, we rented this church for a baptism. We rented it because we were a set up teardown church in Clark College. At the end of the service, one of the elders asked me to go into the back room there. I thought he wanted the rent check. And he goes, no, no, I'm not interested in that. I don't actually know if we ever did pay that now that I think about it. <laughs> he said, I'll have to ask him if we ever actually paid that. But he said, no, no, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. I want to know what you think about our building. I said, well, it's beautiful. I love it. He said, do you want it? What? Yeah, we feel like God is calling us to give this away. Now, I want you to think about a group of people who have maintained this beautiful space for years and years and years. Think about what it would feel like to say out loud to someone you just met, I think God wants me to give this away. Think about the tearing that that would feel like, not just on behalf of that elder, but the other elders, the whole congregation that voted unanimously to give us free this building that we then remodeled. Think about the tearing away that that would feel like of what they thought the church was gonna be in exchange for what it could be. You are, because of other people's choices to tear away their old life, their old views, their old vision, you are that new vision. You are that new life. There's not a better example I can think of of what it means to follow Jesus and set down what is good in order to exchange it for something more that Jesus has. That's what they did. And that's why we're here today celebrating our very first baptism in this building. Four years later. That night, we recorded it. We didn't know what was gonna happen. We just wanted to record our baptism service. And so in just a moment, as I climb down and get in this pool and prepare for those of you who signed up, I'm gonna pray the Holy Spirit assaults <laughs> with great love and compassion those of you in this room who are, gonna, who are gonna wrestle, you wrestle them, you give it your best shot. But if you're supposed to get down in this water, then I expect you to come down. I'll make a second ask as the people who signed up start to, start to ramp up. So you have time. I'm gonna give you a good seven, eight minutes to battle. Go for it. But as I do that, I'm gonna show you the video 
of the old and beautiful and good Kesed and of the night that God decided because of another group's decision to tear away what could have been for what God wanted. Because they're in that audience. They're in that video. It's incredible what God has done since then and it's incredible what he wants to do with your life. Please watch. Please watch.